Attention, fellow Martians. Welcome to a global broadcast transmission. This is Mixed Martian Arts. Prepare yourself. It's going to get weird. What is going on, fellow Martians? Welcome back to another episode of Mixed Martian Arts. My name is Austin Shaper, and this is a podcast where we explore the topics of UAP, UFC, and World War III. Today being a World War III episode, and man, is there like a huge influx of things to talk about. Today is Tuesday, October 3rd, and a few of you who keep up with the subject probably have heard that today at around 2.20 p.m. Eastern Time Zone, we are going to be getting a national emergency broadcast alert on all of our phones. I've also heard that it's going to be on TVs, computers, tablets, so on and so forth. We're going to be getting that if you live in the United States around 2.20 p.m. Eastern Time Zone. Now, there's a lot of uh, talk on the Internet that... Some people believe this is just a regular routine test. We've had them in the past. Um, Honestly, off the top of my head, I'm sure we have had them, but I can never remember where every single person in the United States got some alert on their phone. I personally can't recall that off the top of my head ever getting. I mean, we've gotten the Amber Alerts for like local things, local alerts and weather things, but I personally don't ever remember getting some sort of national emergency broadcast alert. I have heard the... Uh, ones they've done on the radio, but is this something different or is this related to the Russia-Ukraine war? It's very interesting, the timing. I will say that. I don't want to be here fear-mongering anybody today and telling them, you know, this is not um, a training exercise. This is preparation for some sort of... um, some sort of conflict with Russia or China, whatever it may be. But it is very interesting because what is the most alarming about it is the timing. And perhaps by the time you even get this episode and you hear it, you will have already heard the alarm and then gone about your normal day. But it's very odd because less than 24 hours after this national emergency broadcast alert goes out to everybody's phones in the United States, Russia is doing their first ever uh I I don't know what you want to call it, widespread nuclear uh, exercise in Russia involving the civilian population. I guess the theory, I'll read you guys some of the article, but it's supposedly, it says Russia prepares nationwide drills with a nuclear war scenario. And then, let me see if I can find it. It says Russian authorities will hold large-scale drills across the country on October 3rd because of the growing danger of armed conflicts, including with nuclear-capable powers near Russia's borders. Um goes on to say that Russian authorities, uh, it says this will be the first time that uh, Moscow has held these drills, which will imagine, hypothetically, that Russia is at at least partially under martial law and that up to 70% of the country's housing uh, facilities have been destroyed. The exercises will also suppose the general mobilization has ended and there is a possibility of radioactive contamination. So, if nothing else... If nothing else, it's very odd timing. I mean, very coincidental coincidental timing that we're getting, for the first time in recent memory, I know I've heard all over the place that this has happened in the past, it's just a normal training exercise, and that could be the case, but when there's a conflict going on on the other side of the world in Europe that has the potential to go hot with the United States and NATO, you definitely should at least pay attention 
And according to uh, this article, this is the very first exercise of its scale and depth that Russia has ever done in a nuclear sense, where they're preparing the civilian population. We've heard over the past year or so about the bunkers that have been installed in civilian cities around Russia. And it begs me, it, it leads me to the question of clearly Russia is at least preparing mentally and uh, economically. They're, they're preparing their citizens for the potential reality of a conflict at some point because it does seem like it could be an eventuality with the United States and NATO. It seems as if Russia is preparing their population for such a possibility. My question is why is America not at all preparing the United States citizens, why are they not preparing us for the, uh, not only the effects that it would have economically and the impact it would have on our nation, but I mean just like in a societal way, why are they not like mentally prepping uh, civilians to be ready for this? Because it's clearly a possibility. I mean, we are poking the bear in Russia in numerous ways. The conflict is heating up and, and it's reaching kind of this dire this dire point in the conflict where we'll, we'll cover this in a minute about what's going to, what's going on with the funding with Ukraine because it seems like it may be pulled here soon, not only from the United States but from countries such as Britain as well. But why, why are we not being prepared for this? Why are there no bunkers being made? I mean, when you're poking the biggest nuclear bear in the world in Russia, why would you not at least have a contingency plan? And some people may think, okay, well, that's what this emergency broadcast alert is. It's just a contingency plan uh, to prepare the population if a worst-case scenario uh, type event were to occur. But here's the thing. there's That's not preparation. That's just like fear-mongering and is going to scare everybody to death who isn't following this uh, maybe as closely as you or I. It's just going to scare people, but it's not preparing them. It's not like what Russia is doing with, you know, teaching their civilians how to use weapons and, uh, cra uh, you know, putting up these bunkers all over these cities. It's nothing in the terms of actual preparation. It's just like psychological uh, impacts that this uh, emergency broadcast alert could have. So it just, I don't understand. It's very odd. The whole thing is very odd. And, you know, we've been hearing now, if you guys have been keeping up with this whole, um, I don't keep up with politics really at all, but only in the only in the terms that it could relate to the geopolitical chessboard and what's happening with the war and so on and so forth. And uh, we know that one of the things that was hiccuping this, uh, what do you call it, this new agreement. Uh, like I said, I don't cover politics at all. So this agreement that the government was trying to make and, you know, it was going to, uh, it, you know, we're on some sort of 45-day uh, extension period. And it seems that the Democrats and the Republicans were arguing over uh, support to Ukraine and the Republicans wanted to pull uh, this support. And it does look like, at least for now, um, Ukraine is not going to be getting the financial support from Congress that it has been depending on for this war. Uh, Biden is very upset about it and says he promises the funding is going to get there. And we're also hearing reports that this funding is going to, this is kind of like a uh, point of no return where it looks like Britain is also saying that they're not going to be able to continue this funding. They're going to have to start winding it down. And now Congress is in this dispute about should we be funding this? Are we going to continue it? And now it's to the point where it's like a stalemate in the government. And the government almost shut down. And this was one of the issues it almost shut down about. So it's very fascinating because in my humble opinion, who I am not an expert or 
you know, I stand on no high ground. I am just simply looking at the playing field and uh, kind of make, making observations, you could say. One of my observations has always been since the beginning of this conflict that I don't really see how Ukraine can hold out for good. They've done good so far, uh, according to a lot of reports and uh, people who've been following this on the ground. They've been doing good so far, but they have no ability to hold out forever against a power as big as Russia. They're not only outmanned and outgunned, uh, but Russia has better technology. We are giving Ukraine our hand-me-downs in every regard uh, because we can't degrade our own stockpile of modern weapons. So we've been giving them our old Abrams. It looks like we're going to be giving them old F-16s. A lot of old weaponry that is, you know, uh, kind of being dumped into Ukraine and it has had an effect. There's no doubt it's had an effect. Uh, Russia has not met its uh, military goals, its objectives that it originally had in Ukraine. So my point is not to say that it's ineffective, but it is. looks like it might be winding down. It's um, finite. It can't go on forever. And my question has always been, what happens when we reach that point? And not to mention Russia's military is well over a million men, right? And Ukraine's, I mean, we've heard many different reports, but we've heard as many as half a million Ukrainians have been killed so far. I don't know if that number is accurate. Uh, That to me seems like a very high estimate, but I guess I have nothing to really base it off of. But it's obvious that Russia is outnumbering Ukraine greatly, and that's only going to continue to go that direction because although we are supporting uh, NATO and the United States is funding you know, with money and weaponry, equipment, et cetera, et cetera, we're not giving them personnel. We're not giving them troops. And at some point, these numbers dwindling on the Ukrainian side, it's going to come to a point where either the Ukrainians don't have enough troops, enough manpower left to even operate this weaponry, or... Perhaps the funding is going to go dry from possibly NATO as a whole or the United States first, because while Biden is attempting to push through this funding, regardless of what Congress has to say about it, he has some effect called a drawdown. I don't know what that is, but apparently it means he has some sort of funding uh, that he can continue to give to uh, Ukraine while Congress is kind of battling this out. But one of those things is going to happen. Either the support's going to run dry due to finite supplies and finite resources, or Ukraine's going to run out of manpower. And when that happens, I have always seen it as this way. Either Russia, I'm sorry, either NATO is going to have to get directly involved in this conflict and intervene in a direct way with personnel and troops on the ground. And that opens up a whole other can of worms with this potential conflict, which apparently it looks like Russia might be preparing for. So without direct involvement from NATO, from the United States, I personally, I could be wrong. I'm open to being wrong. This isn't what I want to happen, but I don't really see a world in which Ukraine is going to throw Russia out of uh, the territories that have been seized and especially not be able to take back Crimea, which supposedly has been one of the hiccups to a peace deal. Uh, Zelensky says this has to go through, you know, we have to be able to take back everything, including Crimea, uh, before there can be any peace. So it doesn't look like there's any peace deal on the horizon, but it does look like there is a potential of the funding of this conflict to get frozen or definitely downgraded and degraded in a massive way. And if that happens, how long is the morale of the Ukrainian military going to hold out? How many troops are going to be able to hold out? I know they've been conscripting uh, conscripting more soldiers from Ukraine. Obviously, I would imagine if these people who are being conscripted now, they're probably not very willing participants would be my guess, considering this conflict has gone on for over a year and a half and they didn't volunteer. So if they're getting drafted, you're going to have kind of an unwilling uh 
group of soldiers who, you know, probably sees it the way similarly than I do, that although this is a terrible circumstance, I just don't know how they can beat Russia. I just don't see it. And I could be wrong, but, you know, I'd, I'd have to see, you know, some other theories spelled out about how this could go. Um, I thought there was a very interesting point that Dave Smith brought up on Joe Rogan's podcast recently, and they talked about how uh, Dave Smith brought up the fact that he believes this conflict is being fought and why NATO and the United States provoked Russia in a sense to start this conflict is they wanted to they wanted Russia to have its own Afghanistan, its own war that we had ourselves where we had in the Middle East and we were bogged down for years and years with troops and weaponry and funding and it very much bogged down our economy, our military, so on and so on. And it looks like from Dave Smith's point of view, that is their goal with Russia. This is a way to inherently weaken Russia without a direct conflict, maybe leading up to a direct conflict. Our plan was to put them in this kind of quagmire, uh, this Vietnam scenario where it's kind of a lose-lose. How are you going to take Ukraine? Um, could this be Russia's Vietnam? You know, that is Dave Smith's opinion, and I thought that was a very interesting way uh, to look at it that I had previously not looked at it in that way. You know, maybe that this will, because it's obvious, I think it's fair to say that it's obvious that uh, Russia was, in a sense, provoked to this conflict. Now, I think they took the bait, and I think that was 100% the wrong move. I think Putin made a huge mistake. Uh, by entering Ukrainian territory and trying to seize it by force. I just think it was an awful decision, and it clearly hasn't gone the way that he intended. But it does seem like, if it is true that NATO, in a sense, wanted this conflict to happen, maybe not a direct conflict between Russia and NATO just yet, but a conflict that is draining uh, Russia's military, uh, draining their standing position in the world, as far as morally and nations that are willing to partner up with them, it does look like it could be potentially having that effect if this war to, were to continue. And on the flip side of it, if that uh, Ukrainian support with the equipment and uh, weaponry and all these and ammunition continues indefinitely, which I don't see how it's possible, but let's just say, let's theorize that it is able to continue indefinitely, it does seem like it could turn into like a quagmire, into a sort of stalemate where Russia can't really uh, seize more than it's already gotten. They go back and forth and the defense to the offense. The winter kind of halts the offense as a whole. And uh, this turns into a Vietnam-type scenario where it's kind of like a lose-lose for Russia. You know, either you stay there and you continue to lose troops and, uh, you know, have to put your economic power and all that into the war that maybe doesn't have a good result even if you take it. Or... Uh, you leave, like how we left Vietnam, and that's kind of the end of it. And it's looked at in history as the Vietnamese kind of repelled the United States forces, or at least made the cost uh, so great that it wasn't worth it to continue the war. So could that be what's going on? I think that's about as good a theory as I have heard so far, because I have spent a lot of time kind of uh, bouncing back different theories in my head about why on earth would you be provoking um, the biggest nuclear power in the world. I don't see any payoff. I don't see a benefit. I don't think Russia was making any overt threats to take out the United States. So I just don't understand it. But to see it from that perspective, that point of view, uh, makes a lot of sense to me. Now, one thing I want to dive into is this story that comes from Sprinter on Twitter. And he says, the Kremlin has prepared a plan to seize five regions of Ukraine if the war continues in 2024. For these purposes, reserves are being accumulated on the borders with Ukraine and new brigades, God can't speak, are being formed. British intelligence believes that Russian army could employ a million men in a new offensive com campaign. 
reason I read that off to you guys is just to reiterate the fact it doesn't look like Russia's given up anytime soon. And if we're purely talking a game of attrition, a game of numbers, they are going to beat Ukraine in every way without some sort of um, dramatically increased involvement from NATO, whether that's personnel, troops... I don't know where else you could take it. I know we've heard the Jets, but then the counter to that is how much of an effect are the Jets even going to have? Uh, it's very dicey, but it looks like Russia is only stepping up their preparations. Uh, this comes from Washington uh, Journal. It says NATO equipment is not designed to fight against the Russians. The claim was made by a Ukrainian military analyst who believes that Western warfare techniques are outdated. Now, where I would disagree with them is I don't necessarily believe it has anything to do with the techniques. It has to do with the literal outdated equipment you're getting um, because we can't degrade our own stockpile of modern conventional weapons and just give them all to Ukraine, although it does seem like maybe our government is crazy enough at this point that if they had to do that, they probably would. They probably would give our best shit, maybe even our freaking nukes to uh, Ukraine. We just can't really predict it anymore. But it's fascinating to me that it looks like today we're getting a national emergency broadcast alert. Now, is that just a test? I think so. I don't think we all need to go get into our bunkers just yet. But I do think it's, uh, if nothing else, very odd and very coincidental that we have this national broadcast alert going out to everybody's phones today. And 24 hours later, later Russia is going to be doing this massive nuclear drill uh, with the uh, simulation of being in a conflict with another nuclear nation. It says 70% uh, of civilian infrastructure has been destroyed. And there is the potential of uh, radio... Can contamin radioactive contamination, and that's the exercise they're going to be doing tomorrow. I don't see the United States doing any sort of similar exercise, at least from the civilian perspective. Perhaps the military is doing all kinds of stuff that we don't know about, I would imagine, so all kinds of drills and tests. But this also comes with uh, the fact that Russia supposedly, we don't know this to be a fact yet, uh, but according to some satellite imagery, it does look like Russia is preparing to do some sort of nuclear test. It has been hypothesized it is with some sort of experimental nuclear missile. I forget the name of it off the top of my head, but some sort of experimental nuke. Could that come the same day as this nuclear drill or the day after? We will have to wait and see, I guess. But things are heating up in an alarming rate, and it's very unpredictable what's going to happen next. But it does look like both the American public and the American Congress is kind of reaching its wit's end on the both involvement and the funding of this conflict, and it doesn't look like there's a peace deal to be made. So I think we're kind of reaching, I don't know if we're at it quite yet, but it does look like we are fastly approaching some sort of turning event in this conflict. What is it going to be? And, and if Russia does end up taking Ukraine and the funding just can't continue and we we decide not to get directly inter involved, as I mentioned, um, and here's another interesting point. If with how much money both NATO and the United States have poured into this conflict, it's like there's too much money to turn back now, right? I think if it came to option A, get directly in, involved because it's not looking like this hand-me-down equipment is going to be able to turn the tide. The NATO support is not going to be able to turn the tide without personnel, without troops on the ground, without other countries joining the fight. Option A, join the fight directly. Option B, let Russia take Ukraine and kind of take our L and hope that, you know, uh, Putin just kind of stops at the Ukrainian borders and that, that that was all his tension was, intentions were. And 
as I said, take our loss. What do you think the United States is going to do? Do you think with the ego of the American government, do you think that they are going to just sit back and say, okay, it didn't go as expected. You know, we kind of lost in a sense. We tried our best, but the Ukrainians held out and then kind of, you know, pull out all the equipment and end it. I don't think so. I think uh, the um, American politicians are crazy enough to get directly involved. I believe that if it came to either sucking it up and losing this conflict to Putin or getting directly involved, my personal opinion is that they're going to jump right in this war and all they need is some sort of Gulf of Tonkin or Pearl Harbor incident to be able to rouse the public's opinion, which would quickly change with any sort of event where American soldiers or um, I don't even like to say it, but, you know, some sort of attack on the homeland, something, maybe maybe it's just an infrastructure attack, electronic warfare, and they take out the power grid. I don't know. All I know is if some sort of event happened to stir the American public, I do think that it would make sense to me that rather than back down and take the loss, the American government and the and NATO as a whole would be willing to enter this conflict. I think that's a disastrous idea. I don't think this is wise. I think, and I hope and I pray, that some sort of peace deal is made. I hate hearing about these civilians dying. I hate hearing about the state of Europe right now. It's awful. I mean, it is just crazy that we live in the year 2023, and we're looking at the potential of the next global conflict. It is just, and then to see people like Lindsey Graham and others in the government just trudging full steam ahead, no hesitation, no fear, uh, when at the end of the day, if this does turn into World War III, they're not going to be the ones fighting it. It's going to be the normal, everyday citizen who gets drafted, who gets sent in this war, same as World War II. And it's going to be a disastrous outcome that nobody wants. So we we don't really have anything that we can do except sit back and watch and wait. And I suppose if you are um, of the prepper mindset, you can prepare. But, man, I, I just don't know, guys. I, w- I would love to hear your thoughts on this. This is a fascinating development uh, with this 24-hour period of where we're doing a national emergency alert. And then right after it, they're doing a nuclear simulation drill. On top of that, you have Congress fighting over the funding. You have Britain saying we can't continue to fund this. You have Poland wanting to back down on their funding. So it looks like the tides are turning. Um, And kind of Russia, it seems like they just need to stand by and wait for NATO to fight amongst themselves and draw down their support before they start this new supposed million-man offensive or whatever it may be. And eventually, through attrition, through manpower, uh, through better resources, through being right there on Ukraine's border, they could win this. And then from there... What do the crazy politicians do? Do they try to drag us into a direct conflict or do they back down and say, okay, well, we tried. We just spent, what, $150, $200 billion and, it, and we didn't have any sort of effect that we wanted? I don't think they're going to accept that. I just don't. I appreciate you guys so much for tuning in. I try to do this show daily. I haven't been doing it for the past couple of days, just been busy, but I will be back with another episode tomorrow. Um, as I mentioned, we. Don't only talk geopolitics, but we talk uh, UFO, UAP news as it develops. And then I follow the UFC, as you can see behind me on the wall, pretty closely as well. So if you guys enjoy talking about one of these subjects or two or maybe all three, go ahead and click subscribe on this YouTube channel. Uh, More than anything, I would appreciate if you guys are listening on the podcast apps such as Spotify, Podcast Addict, Apple Podcast. Just go ahead, click 
mixed martial arts, you can find the uh, link in the description of this video and just click follow. Leave me a five-star review. That's a huge help to me for other people to be able to discover my show. I really want to grow this and I'm enjoying doing it. I hope you guys are getting value out of it as well. And lastly, if you like to talk with myself and others on a daily basis on the Discord app, we have a group called Mixed Martial Arts for people who are interested in these same topics, who like to share news, share their experiences, their opinions, ask questions, and just kind of build connections with people all over the place who share the same interests. That sounds appealing to you. Go ahead, click the link in the description to this video. Uh, the group is called Mixed Martial Arts. We have three little subgroups. Um, so you can talk about UFC news, talk about whatever you want. And as it grows, we're going to be doing game gaming sessions together, watching the fights, uh, doing Zoom calls where we can kind of all talk. It's not just an Austin monologue. So you can look forward to that in the future. I'm going to be doing some really cool merch designs coming out here shortly. I'm in the process of working on it. I really want to do some cool clothing. I got some cool ideas for Mixed Martial Arts. And uh, your support means the world. So thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Peace out, Martians. Have a good one.